precocious. I feel like we're on a very large Brady Bunch screen. Oh, yeah. Indeed, we are. Very exciting. <clears throat> All right. So it's four o'clock. And with that, let's start. Uh, I think this is episode six. Roberto, episode yes. six. Yes. Episode six of Burrows and Burbs. And this is the show on the future of downtown. And I want to introduce my four experts. Tucker Murphy and Laura Budd uh, are the previous head of the Chamber of Commerce and current head of the Chamber of Commerce in New Canaan and are absolutely expert. Uh, if you want to bring your business to New Canaan, where to go and how much rent you're going to pay and whether it's going to be successful. And so I thought they would be invaluable at talking to us about the evolution of the New Canaan downtown. David Genovese in Darien has been working since 2003. I don't know if it makes you feel bad when I say that, but since 2003, nearly 20 years, he has been working to bring something fabulous to the downtown of Darien. And one of the questions I'm gonna have for David is, uh, that's been a very long time and has the vision evolved since 2003? And my fourth guest, David Waldman is in Westport. And usually, People talk about the New Canaan Darien rivalry, and we try to not talk about Westport. But you can't ignore Westport when it comes to the downtown. You guys have low taxes, you have great schools, and you have a phenomenal downtown. And you've been a big part of that since, I think you said 1994, both owning buildings, developing buildings, recruiting new businesses into the downtown, and being a commercial uh, realtor. So you wear many hats in Westport. So that's what we wanted to talk about today. All those different perspectives on the evolving downtown. Um, why don't you, Roberto, take us, uh, take it from the top, the 20,000, you know, what do you want to know as some, as a New Yorker who wants to know about these towns from a very high level? What, I, I'm, what I'm most curious about is that it seems like what you guys are trying to do is urbanize a suburban environment, right? Does that sound, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me because you're creating these city centers where people can walk around and have their, you know, and in New York, the public transportation is so vast, so vastly used that the accessibility provides for enormous flows of people constantly coming through all the time in order to support all of those businesses. And accessibility isn't a challenge here because you can just converge on any specific location at all times. And you have little, as you, I could walk 20, 30, 40 blocks and I have little gems of things that I can do all the way until I reach that destination. In a place like where you guys are talking about, you kind of have to, it's like, there's nothing until you get there. At least that's my perception. Until you get to these city centers that you guys are creating, which I think is spectacular, but that's just my perception is that you're trying to replicate a little bit what is in the city. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think it's, I think it's an amazing way to live and that's why I live here, but that's. I would agree with that here in New Canaan, that that's part of what we've been trying to do, but um, also a huge priority for us is always maintaining that, um, that, sort of Norman Rockwell uh, type of town that we have here. I mean, we are we're very proud of how our town is set up. The train drops you right into the center of town, which is which is a nice feature. Whoever 
figured that out whenever the train line was coming in. It was a great, uh, a great call because you can get dropped off and be literally smack in the middle of town. And we're very pedestrian friendly. And that is a priority for for the municipality, without a doubt, is to make sure that we can we can make our way throughout the entire town center on foot safely and, and admire all of the shops and the businesses that we have along the way. I think what you know draws people to New Canaan is always number one, the public schools where you can move out here, pay your taxes at a relatively lower and send your kids to very high quality school, no matter what where they are in the educational landscape. Um, and I think, I think your point is very well taken. The kind of urbanization and the development we've seen around the downtown area, we see it as not trying to be the city, but giving that as an alternative. Some people live in four acre, some people in two acre, one acre. And then now we see all these condos and some other really interesting high-end developments right in downtown where people can replicate that. So what we like is that we can attract people who want total privacy or who wanna be right in the middle of things. But David Genovese, when you look at New Canaan and all those wonderful things that Tucker and Laura said about New Canaan, you said, that's what I want to bring to Darien. Is that how it started back in 2003 with the Corbin project? Um, so, yeah, thank you, John. So what happened, you know, I had a different, little bit of a different career path. And then I started working um, in New York City for an investment bank after having grown up in Darien. Um, I came back out here to live in 2001. And um, at that time, we had a, a first select woman, uh, Yvonne Klein, who, you know, had basically run successfully on a campaign saying that, you know, the historic perspective on what Darien residents wanted of their downtown had changed. Um, until the early 2000s, I think the attitude in Darien had generally been, you know, candidly, let's keep it quiet. We'll be a very quiet bedroom community. You know, when we want to go to shop or we want to go to dinner, we'll travel to Stanford or Greenwich or New Canaan. We're okay with that. We'd rather not have, you know, the traffic on the post road. And, um, you know, when they tried to, when United Artists tried to upgrade the movie theater in our downtown, our Darien Playhouse, you know, there was an uproar over how converting from one screen to four could create traffic jams and crime and so on and so forth, which today all just seems so ridiculous. But you know, back then that was sort of the attitude and Yvonne had a good read on the community, I think, and, and thought, you know, the younger generation wants something different. And she approached me and a number of other people in town at the time, I didn't own any real estate in town other than my residence and asked if I'd get involved in an effort to kind of revitalize the downtown. And um, to, yeah, to be candid, New Canaan, New Canaan and Westport were sort of uh, the, the envy of Darianne in a way. We, we, we looked at those downtowns and thought, you know, we would love to find a way to create or recreate something similar. The criticism of Darien always being, you know, we can never get there because the post road runs through it and the train uh, train line bisects the post road and cuts our downtown in two. And we just didn't believe that that was right. We thought that there would be an opportunity to change over time. And so um, we started acquiring properties in the downtown. First, just one-off properties. And I should say, following the effort by one of my partners, Penny Glassmeyer, who really got the ball rolling in Darien by building Grove Street Plaza, uh, which has you know now a kind of amazing coffee shop and a beautiful artisanal bakery and a great public plaza. But um, we started working, acquiring properties one-off and renovating. We built 
the building where 1020 Post Road or 1020 Post Restaurant is, um, Jay McLaughlin and now Parlor Pizza. And, you know, the community really dialed into the effort and supported it. Um, you know, the community, once it got a taste of better restaurants and some better retail, um, really embraced what we were talking about. And I think that the town got behind it because of the, um, you know, economic development aspects of our work. For example, you know, this two sites we acquired where 1020 Post restaurants sit, you know, those build, those properties only generated about $10,000 per year in property tax in 2003. And today they generate property tax revenue to the town of about $200,000 plus all the other personal property tax and so on. So, you know, everybody had kind of the benefit that they were receiving from this. And, um, you know, the town's people have gotten really behind the work that we've done. And yeah, as you said, we'll talk about it, I'm sure at some point we've assembled this large site to, to create, um, to really complete the idea in downtown, the Corbin district, as we call it, which I'm happy to talk about when you- If, if everybody loved it, why is it taking you 18 years to get it built? I mean, not everybody loves you, right? Yeah, no, no, not everybody loves me. My mom loves me all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, but as I often say, you're sort of hero one day, chump the next in our business. And, um, you know, we, 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 we acquired um, two of the, or three of the necessary properties in 2007 after starting to talk about it in 2005 from Steve Zangrillo, the owner of the Darien Sports Shop, the founder of the Sports Shop. Um, but there were literally... 16 different family partnerships that owned 16 different properties. And in those family partnerships, there were probably a hundred different families that had to get on board um, and acquire, we've acquired the properties over time. Plus we had uh, various town approvals, then state approvals. We have to move a department of transportation drainage easement that involved, you know, the federal government, the environmental protection agency, the army corps of engineers, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, people have no idea of how complicated this was to assemble um, zone. And, and I, I would say too, you know, candidly, you know, the zoning board in the beginning was very apprehensive and nervous. Um, you know, zoning boards in our New England towns are comprised of good meaning, well-meaning volunteers. Um, but in towns like Darien, Duquesne, or Westport, they usually don't have a lot of experience in urban planning. And so when presented with, you know, a complicated project like ours or some of the amazing work that David Waldman has done in Westport, they're nervous. They're nervous about making a mistake. And so, you know, there was definitely a lot of consternation. Um, we took a different approach and really uh, communicated as openly as we possibly could with the community using social media and a website that we created called yourdowntowndarianne.com to, to educate the public because you know, as David knows, he's got the scars on his back too. You know, usually the only people who go to zoning meetings, the, the, the people who think you have a great idea, they don't see any reason for which they should go to your meeting. They think it's obviously a great idea, but the only people who go are often the negative people who want to complain and scream and say, this is going to ruin our town and so on. And, um, you know, and those are the voices that the zoning commissioners hear. So we tried to open up the dialogue with the public at large and you know, get more community engagement. And as I often said to the board, you know, I'm taking a chance being so open that, you know, if people hate my idea, they're gonna, there's nowhere to hide, you're gonna know. And, uh, you know, my friends joked that that effort would either be, uh, it would become a Harvard Business School case study or it would drive me to Bellevue. 
Uh, but I'm still here, and you know, I think it was an interesting <laughs> effort. So, anyway, I don't want to talk too much here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But so I wrote in the email uh, about this. Uh, I went. I went to go look up David Waldman, and I found his uh, his dialogue with the people of Westport. And I wanted to call call everybody's attention to it at. Uh, there is a headline, David Waldman, Westport has positive stories. Let's promote them. And it was, and I think it was a reaction that David said, why is everybody beating on the landlords? Why are they all uh, wringing their hands about the state of the Westport downtown? Westport downtown has got a lot going for it. Uh, why don't you tell us about that dialogue and what you were trying to do um, by telling the positive story about the downtown Westport situation. You want to hear about the scars. I want to hear um, the scars. <laughs> well, I, I started in, a, in, when I graduated in 1991, my father was in the real estate business and he had built some buildings in downtown Westport to house his, his uh, marketing company, sold the buildings, became a, a 1980s landlord. Uh, very different from the landlords David and I are these days because the 80s was a, uh, like the wild, wild west. Um, when I graduated Syracuse in 91, he had uh, been in trouble with a couple of his banks. It was a much different banking system back then. And, you know, he wasn't able to hire someone to and pay them properly to manage the properties that he had still retained. And so I took a week off from, from graduating college and I have been doing my job now for 30 years. Uh, I never anticipated becoming a developer. Um, you know, at the time we had redeveloped what was uh, the first project I ever did, which was uh, where Arts Deli used to be. It was a small little, you know, boutique mom and pop stores, um, some apartments upstairs that we ended up buying from Save the Children. And it was it was the type of tenants that I always thought would be what the citizens of Westport would, would be interested in seeing arts, antiques, you know, much like our town, which was a, a pretty artist oriented um, place. Uh, Main Street at the time when I graduated, uh, it was it was already becoming kind of a. Uh, the 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 national platform for some of these stores and, and it wasn't that they they felt like they could generate you know superior sales even though they did but it was more that the wealth and the eyeballs that would see their products so it was their version of really marketing at the same time um so we had our gaps and we had the banana republic with the with the um the jeep in the window which i understand they're actually going back to um and so you know for the first few years my, my father passed in 95 for the first few years we bought a couple of properties from the rtc which was a, um, a, a, I guess the government which was selling properties that had been defaulted upon and i did some minor renovations and, and redevelopments of those things uh in the late 90s the ymca actually became for sale and the ymca is now bedford square um and at the time uh, under under a, pr a previous administration they, they weren't able to execute on the entire process. So while they went out to bid and they found a buyer, which was not myself, I was not at the time prepared to do anything like that. Um, the deal unfortunately fell through. Um, and then why later on, and this was in 2006, seven is when we, we finally bid on the why and ended up ultimately winning the project. Um, you know, they, they kind of gave the town an ultimatum, which is if you don't let this happen, if you don't approve you know, this new Camp Mahakano project that we're doing, you know, there's going to be no why in Westport. So they kind of held a gun to her, their head and said, you know, take it or leave it. Um, I became the bad guy by taking it. And myself and my partners from Charter Realty, we, we ended up purchasing the YMCA. And in doing so, we had to wait a pretty long time for them to finalize their approval process, which in Westport was not a very easy thing to do. 
Um, and there was a lot of negative sentiment associated with what they were trying to do. They were doing it in the residential area, even though they had a camp that had been running there for decades, a camp that I actually went to as a kid. Um, but ultimately, you know, as David said, the, the, the people that populated the, the, um, the zoning meetings were your vocal minority. And while the idea was great and they were building something that was going to be phenomenal for Westport citizens, including Weston, who uses it as well, not many people could get behind it because they just didn't fully understand it or they just didn't want to see any change occur. You know, Are these the people that said it lost its, I'm reading from the dialogue, it's lost its charm. It's hard to park. It floods. The landlords ruined the street by raising the rents. There are no yeah. mom and pop shops. It's hard to get to the downtown. And then there's no parking when you get there. Those they're, people? They're probably the same people. And then, you know, some more as well. Um, I've always been criticized as someone who's, you know, raised rents on Westport, on Main Street. And while rents did rise to a peak of about 160 bucks a foot, it wasn't because I was doing anything special. It was because of supply and demand. There was no space available up until 2016. Main Street Westport had a sub 5% vacancy rate. Um, and ultimately, there were still a lot of people that wanted to be there. And as a result, rents began to climb. Um, you know, I, I guess if, if Westport was owned by one landlord, then they could have curated it in a far different manner. And while it's true, we lost some of our charm in regards to restaurants being on Main Street, um, smaller mom and pop shops, it wasn't because we kicked them off. It's because each individual building or block of buildings was owned by different people. So you can't tell a gentleman who owns one property that he should take, you know, thirty dollars a foot when his neighbor's getting one hundred and forty dollars a foot from them. And so ultimately, our fashion and our home furnishings um, national tenants kind of took over, and Main Street became pretty much a, a fashion mall. All right, that is a great. I love that segue, and I want each one of you to think about how you're going to address the what's the perfect mix because I think that's one of the critical questions we're gonna ask for the hour. On the one hand, you could just take the best rents, but you'll end up with an imbalance in the kind of tenants. And so are you willing to basically uh, give up revenue, give up profit in order to get the perfect mix? People are always telling Tucker Murphy, get the Apple store in here. We need an Apple store. She's like, I can't just snap my fingers and tell Apple, come on in, You're, you know. We need one of you in here in New Canaan. So what's the right mix and what are you willing to do to get the right mix? Well, again, in Westport, it's hard to get the right mix because it's not one owner. If you own a, uh, I own a shopping center in Woodgrove Lakes, New Jersey, it's about 120,000 feet with 22,000 or 22 tenants. And as a result, I, I know that while I have my, my, my fair share of fashion, I also have Apple that came in. I, I have stores that I know are gonna generate traffic in times when certain aspects of, of retail might be flagging. So fashion actually took a dive in 2016 and it's been very hard as a result of Amazon and, and, and the new world we live in. And, and so what took over were more experiential oriented retailers. So it's restaurants, it's ice cream shops, it's art galleries, but those aren't typically your highest rent payers. Westport's kind of seeing this transition now because as a result of, of you know, what ballooned to a 25% vacancy rate, rents adjust themselves. And so, you know, the big bad landlords had to take a pretty big hit and drop their rents to a level that was attractive again for more mom and pops to come in. Um, Bedford Square, much like David's doing with Corbin's, it kind of connected since Main Street was just this little golden half mile, they called it. Um, you know, we recoined something called the golden triangle 
And you know, the benefit Westport has, for instance, over Greenwich Avenue, which is 2,800 feet long, is Westport, you can shop that same 2,800 feet, but you do it in a circle. So if you started at Serena and Lily, which is a project that we built while building Bedford Square, you can shop the entire town and end up at Serena and Lily, as opposed to being at the bottom of Greenwich Avenue or the top of Greenwich Avenue and needing to Uber, you know, one way or the other. Um, so it is important. And, and a lot of the shopping centers I own without other people that are involved in other buildings, I can curate the, the right mix. And the right mix changes all the time, as David knows. You know, right now, the right mix is a combination of, of, of physical, uh, you know, more um, um, recreational. So I, I have a project where we're doing squash courts and a, and a ninja gym. It's more gyms. It's more fitness oriented. And that is, is coupled with fashion that can kind of play with it. It's coupled with services like uh, a Madison Reed or a Globar, which are New York companies that have actually come to Westport because Westport became a little suburb or a, a city in itself as a result of all the migrants that have moved here. I think they call them uh, COVID refugees. Um, and so the mix changes with you know, the decade we're developing within. The problem that both of us had is when developing something that took, Bedford Square took 15 years, Dave's going on 18 years, and when he's done, it's gonna be 20 years, um, roughly, right, Dave? Um, yeah. You know, your lips to God's ears, you design something, you get it approved, which is, you know, a, a, a massive feat on itself. And then when you're ready to build it, the world has changed. So, you know, in our minds, when we developed Bedford Square, we had this, this, you know, we had this, the old mansion building, which became an anthropology and company, which is a really spectacular store. And adjacent to it, we thought it was going to be a two story, 30,000 foot sacks for battery. And ultimately, the world had changed. Uh, and as a result, in the middle of constructing Bedford Square, we had to figure out how to cut all those spaces up so we could put tenants in there that could occupy them and pay rent and make the development successful. Uh, it's hard when these things take so long. You know, time, time as, as developers say, kills deals. Uh, you know, you have people that commit money very early and 15 years later, they finally see a, a project completed. It's hard to make good returns on things like that. With, so, uh, can I ask you about the unit mix? With regards to the unit mix, do you actually have control to dictate who is going, unless you own all the properties? Well, that's like what I said. said. It's just supply and demand. You can't yeah. ask this landlord to not take, you know, X, you know, how do you, how do you maneuver that? You, you can't. You ultimately David can. can. David Genovese can. That's what's interesting about the Corbin project. Well, David can do it in Corbin's, but he can't do it in the greater Darien area. So just like Bedford could do what it could do at the time, but even Bedford, you know, we started leasing in 2016, the world began to, you know, teeter away. And if not for COVID, I don't think we'd be having this conversation right now because Connecticut has changed as a result of COVID. And so it, it's hard to dictate mix when you have a mortgage, you know, you have investors, and ultimately, the guy that comes to the door that's ready to sign a lease, you're either going to take that deal or you're going to lose your building. And so you're, you're forced into making decisions you might not want to make at the time. So it's, it's, it's ideal when you control the entire you know, geographic area that you're, you're leasing, because then you realize that you just can't put all the highest rent payers in there. You have to create this mix and you have to do it in a manner that people are going to want to be there. You know, so I spent a lot of time creating these senses, you know, these these places that they weren't just, you know, shopping centers where you'd go in and grab your food and go in and grab your product and leave. You know, people love when they come to downtown Westport. They love what we did to Church Lane and they love that there's people eating outside and, and that it has that kind of European ambiance to it. And, and that's what I, I, I'm most proud of is that the physical plant itself, the physical development that we created, I think, almost to all of the projects that I've been involved in, you know, they, they kind of. 
know, they weren't designed to be the cheapest way to build something. You know, they were designed with someone who had been in Westport since he was born. You know, I moved here when I was one, so pretty close to being born. I, I've raised my family here and I live here. And so ultimately I didn't want to go and, and build something that while I got so much shit, excuse my French, for, for attempting to do what I did, you know, after the 30 years of doing it and sitting here today, it's much easier for me to do what I'm doing now because people understand that I'm not just a developer that's coming in to kind of, you know, take advantage of Westport. I care about the product that I put out. David is exactly the same in way in Darien. And ultimately, you know, if a town wants to figure out how to mandate that proper mix, they have to subsidize people. You know, Darien. Let's let, let's switch to Darien. You get used to starting with a clean slate. So what have you learned and what are you going to do about it? What kind of controls are you going to exert? So, I mean, going back to something that David had said in the beginning, you know, when we, when I first started working on this and we bought our first property in Darien in 2003 or four, um, you know, we were very, we looked around at Greenwich and Westport at that time, both of those markets, both, both of those downtowns were mostly populated by national chain retailers. Um, you know, the kind of turnover had already occurred, um, you know, they'd become dominated by the national retailers. They were sort of open air malls. And um, so I looked at Darien and thought, okay, you know, why would J. Crew want to be in Darien if they're in Greenwich, New Canaan, and Westport and at the Stanford Mall? You know, that store is not really going to perform. And our downtown, you know, back then wasn't really in probably likely to be viewed as deserving of a J. Crew store. And so, you know, my initial focus was upon kind of more locally owned boutique stores and really trying to find these unique, interesting businesses. And so I kind of, by necessity, ended up becoming a, a, a kind of tenant hunter. You know, I would chase any lead, I still do. You know, people give us ideas all the time for businesses that they like and would love to see us bring to Darien. And so we've met, you know, many of our tenants through friends and friends of friends. And um, we started off in that way. and. So we were trying to be differentiated from New Canaan, Westport, or Greenwich. Um, and our rents, candidly, were lower. Um, so it was easier to make the case to a locally owned business that Darien would be a good location for them. And fortunately, a number of the businesses that opened up with us have done very well, both restaurants and, and retailers. Um, we did you know, start with a more modest goal in investing in downtown Darien and trying to make it better. And like David, you know, I'd grown up in Darien and we, we, we trade notes a lot because we are definitely birds of a feather in a way. Um, and we both are definitely building you know, these buildings in Darien. I, I can't speak for David with 100% certainty, but I don't think he's ever really sold any of his retail buildings in downtown Westport, maybe just the Patagonia building. Um, so, you know, he's sort of a long-term holder in the same way that we are. And, you know, our idea is to kind of do this to make the town better and also honestly create value for ourselves over time, but over a longer period of time. And so that perspective, that longer term orientation shapes your approach to a lot of things. It's, it, it allows you to invest a little more, accept a lower return because you want a higher quality I, I want to pin you down on something very specific. New Canaan oh. decided we were not going to lose our, our movie theater. And so the town bought the movie theater and we were not going to lose our bookstore. We got a bunch of people together and said, we are not going to lose a bookstore. We'll buy the bookstore and then we'll move the bookstore 
we're not gonna lose these things that are important to the community. You have the power to do the same thing. You have the power to say, I want these certain key things, key elements in order to drive traffic to the Corbin district. Are you going to basically pick some winners, some anchor tenants and recruit them in? Is that part of the mix or do you just Yeah, no, respond? definitely. I mean, look, I mean, we, we've done that over and over again. And, and, you know, I think in the beginning when we were acquiring this sort of wide swath, I mean, we ultimately acquired or formed partnerships with, in addition to the properties we already owned in downtown, we basically acquired seven acres of land um, between the I-95 exit 11 and, and, and the train station. And, you know, in addition to that, we own, you know, with my partners, Grove Street Plaza, 14 Brook Street, 16 Brook Street, 1020 Post Road, 980 Post Road. So we have created in a way the ability to merchandise an, enough of the downtown to have real impact. And we've done that. I mean, we signed a lease and relocated Barrett Bookstore from Neroden Heights. Barrett Bookstore being a locally owned bookstore that's been in business for, I think, 70 or 80 years in Darien for like 30 or 40, owned by a local family whom I've known for my whole life. Um, you know, we made the decision to relocate Barrett Bookstore and work with them downtown. Um, and we get calls from Amazon Books, candidly, who asks us, you know, if we have interest in, you know, renting to Amazon. And, and you know, to be candid with you, like renting to Amazon is probably a better credit risk than renting to Barrett Bookstore. But Barrett Bookstore, you know, we, they're, they're a beloved store in Darien. We did an event last week, which we co-hosted with them, bringing a famous chef from Brooklyn to, to be with Bill Tabey from Westport to talk about a new book she published. And, you know, it was one of the first in-person events and it was sort of a magical night. Um, and they sold a lot of books. And guess what? They moved downtown from Neroden Heights and they, their sales uh, went up by like 40%. So, um, you know, we definitely do that. We reach in all kinds of different ways. Um, we've done pop-ups which we'll probably incorporate into the Corbin district, a permanent, uh, you know, rotating pop-up store venue. Uh, we did a couple of art gallery, pop-up art galleries this year, um, by, you know, local, well-known local artists that were super successful. And um, we also have the ability to do events and curate and create events and activate the downtown. Like my partner, Penny, and I host concerts every Friday night in downtown, which we began doing in 2008, based upon the idea that I had that, you know, because of the great financial crisis, people were unlikely to be traveling that much that year. It was the first time I'd ever heard the term or the word staycation. Um, and so we started this concert series on a whim. And the first couple of nights, the first few weeks, there were, or first year, there were like five or 10 people that would attend. It was pretty pathetic um, for the cost of it. But, you know, in, in the last few years, we've had anywhere from 150 to 2,000 people come to the concerts, depending upon the, the band that plays. I like to point out, which I know David will appreciate, that the, the band that attracts the most people is a band that I, I helped start in middle school, the Spadtastics. Um, so, you know, it's a Grateful Dead cover band, and that gets a lot of people um, to it. But, um, no, I mean our position in the town now does allow us to do a lot of different things. And we are hyper-focused upon curating this mix of stores and, and businesses that are unique and different. Um, 
and which basically kind of give rise to the idea that most residents in the area would want to be there or would have a reason to be at our center once per day, whether it's getting a haircut, getting a bite to eat, you know, going to the barbershop with your kids and then getting a donut, um, going to work out and then getting a salad or having lunch with some friends. Um, and in our project as well, there'll be 85,000 feet of office space. Um, we already have tenants negotiating with us for the entire office building. And we won't even deliver that office building until 2024. So, um, you know, we, we, we are super excited about what's happening right now. And as scary as the last 18 months were, um, I do think that there have been some pretty incredible positive impacts to offset some of the horrible negative experiences of COVID um, for these downtowns. And, you know, first and foremost, I would say, and I think David and I know Tucker and I have talked about this too, you know, during COVID, everybody was stuck at home. Suddenly the brakes were hit. We were all home. And I am fundamentally of the view that people really became acutely aware of how much, how important their downtown was, more aware than they had been for years. I think people took their towns for granted. We're all so busy. We're all moving so fast. We're hyper-programmed and over-scheduled. And COVID pushed pause, gave, forced us to all push pause and just look around and realize where we lived and the, you know, realize the great place that we live in. And um, I think there's a new appreciation which really will bode well um, for, for all of our downtowns, New Canaan, Westport, and Darien. Can I ask you, can I ask you about the, um, so in order to, for what I was talking about earlier about kind of urbanizing that, you have to have residents that are actually living there. And how have you decided or what choices did you make with the type of the unit mix? Are you, is it mostly for single professionals? Is it for families or what sort of spaces are there? They're like four bedrooms that are 3000 square feet. What sort of mix and, and what does that look like? I don't even, cause I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me. Sure, are sure. they above the retail or are they? Yeah, so in Darien, you know, in our project, my partner and I had already built a number of residential projects in downtown Darien or in the in walking distance of our, our Corbin district project. Um, there are also a number of condominium projects that had been built in the 80s um, that are on the outskirts of the downtown one, you know, immediately adjacent to the Whole Foods Market, which anchors our site. Um, we're adding 116 additional um, apartment units. They're one and two bedroom, they're generous. The one-bedroom units average about 1,100 feet. The two-bedroom units average about 1,500, 1,600 feet. Um, so they're generous units. We'll rent some and we'll sell a bunch. Um, and, you know, we've gotten calls from, you know, in Darien, Darien reluctantly allowed, I think there are a lot of real estate brokers on this call, so they'd have a view here. But, you know, from our vantage point, Darien, you know, kind of reluctantly allowed apartment development to occur over time until about, you know, eight years ago um, in, in Darien. So we had condos that were built, but were very small. Um, they were afraid, you know, the story would go that people were afraid that condos would be bought by people who wanted to get into the school system at a lower cost. And, you know, that'd be terrible for the school system and would overburden the schools. Um, you know, so they, they held down the square footage by zoning. Um, New Canaan was more progressive and allowed larger units. You, you had Johnson Lee, you know, kind of a visionary um, of his time, building beautiful condos that were, 
you know, great alternatives to a single family home when the empty nesters decided it was time to, you know, transition to some other kind of housing. And um, so in Let me make a note, Roberto, they've got a hundred condos in Darien up from maybe like 50 two years ago and New Canaan's got 700. So both towns, same size, 700 condos versus maybe 100 condos. So when he talks about a, a reluctance to allow condo development in Darien, we're talking that that might be understated. I mean, they absolutely were afraid of overburdening the school system. And that has not gone away. In New Canaan, we just gave Arnold Carp, who happens to be on the bottom of your screen, we gave him a, 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 a hundred questions about how many kids are your, is your development going to add to our school system. So it's not an issue that goes away. There's a great sensitivity. Uh, Arnold Karp is so scarred by his zoning experience that he signed on to this Zoom call with a fake name, Paul Stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to, to kind of add to that, Westport was very similar. It, it was, uh, you know, it had some developments, kind of developments, townhouse developments that occurred in the, call it the late 70s, early 80s. And then really nothing happened. And unlike New Canaan, which was progressive in, in dealing with 830Gs, which is a, a process to which, you know, developers that don't really care about the aesthetics of what they're building and they're really basing their ability to manipulate zoning through this state uh, state legislation they were out building you know pretty large buildings that weren't in keeping with you know where they were being put in the downtown or the post road area um so when we built bedford square you know a lot of it was dictated by the cost of land and the cost of construction so we ended up building what equates to 24 Parker. what equates to 24 luxury condominium units um, that range in size from a small unit of about 900 feet to our largest unit of about 2,300 feet, which is a two-bedroom duplex. Um, we found as a result of the quality of what we built that we've achieved rents that were, you know, 50% to 80% more than the average rent was happening prior. So we have two-bedroom units that go for 9,400 bucks a month, which is more, as Roberta will know, more Manhattan style. Um, and the, the tenants that are living there are people that sold their homes and still wanted to have a footprint in Westport. They don't really have many kids living in our in our current complex, and as a result, you know, it didn't have any burden on the school system, and it, it enabled people to get out of the houses they were in and allow new people to move into into Connecticut or into Westport. When COVID hit, uh, Westport was the number one town out of every town in the tri-state area for the influx of families moving to to the Fairfield County market, um, second only to Sag Harbor. Uh, so we had 700 new families move into down or move into Westport. That created uh, obviously a, a 40 plus percent increase in our residential real estate uh, market where houses that couldn't sell were now selling like hotcakes with multiple bids on them. All of the apartments that we built, so Bedford Square had, had you know, prior to Bedford Square, downtown maybe had you know, 15, 20, 25 units that were scattered in the second floors of some of the retail buildings. They were very old. Um, you know, they, they, they certainly weren't indicative of, of what's being built today. And you know, COVID enabled all of the apartments that were built after the fact. And I'd say now downtown Westport has more like, you know, a hundred in total between apartments and condos. Um, and, and, and the, you know, what happened is a lot of the people that were, were able to now sell their homes are now moving into these in-town living environments because they realize the benefits of creating a, a vibrant downtown is, as, as Roberto said, having the ability to walk to that downtown. So Westport took the initiative also to take 
its sidewalk system, which wasn't really connecting anything in regards to the surrounding homes. And we had a lot of, you know, beautiful single family homes that were around the downtown area, but it was very hard to get there if you didn't drive. And so they created a sidewalk system that connected everything. Um, you know, we do have the benefit of having a Levitt Pavilion, which puts on concerts on a all summer basis. We have a great farmer's market. Um, we have the Remarkable Theater Group, which is a, a nonprofit for adults with disabilities that puts on drive-in movie theaters or drive-in um, screenings all, all uh, summer long it did it, and especially during COVID when it really took off. And our DMA, which is the Merchants Association, it, it understood early on um, how important it was to create events downtown. So Canaan did it phenomenally. I was at your caffeine and carburetor event. I think there were 4,000 people there. It was 7,000. There were 7,000 people there. It was spectacular. All um, spending money, David. All spending, spending money. money. And, and, and yeah. it created just this, you know, forgetting the fact that they were all spending money, they, a lot of those people might not have ever seen New Canaan otherwise. And so those <laughs> events, you know, the events that David was talking about with, with stores, with bookstores, you know, everything that you do to, to create a sense of environment, to create a sense of place that, that the residents want to kind of come and enjoy, that's what creates valuable retail and valuable restaurants. It's not just build a building, stick a tenant in there. It's build a building and create an environment where people are going to want to come to see that tenant, to eat at that restaurant. And right. so it's important to have those mix of, of the right tenants to kind of feed all of that. So I've been at some of those uh, meetings with Tucker and Laura, where they go around the table to the landlords and they go around to the people and they say, what do you want to see in the downtown? And everybody says, no more nail salons. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. That's good for Hollywood and, nails. And, and we're like, okay. Uh, and no more banks. Yeah, we're tired of banks. Okay, well, what do you want? Well, I want more women's shoes and I want more uh, cheese shops and I want more special mom and pops and specialty retailers. But how's it going, Tucker? Are, are we able to fill our vacancies in New Canaan? Is there a future? and going after mom and pop cheese shops and olive oil and women's shoes and you know the 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 tenants we want because i'm going to just tell you david waldman in new canaan we say we don't want to be like westport with all those chain stores no we're new canaan we're not like westport and you know what it's hard to compete if you're not willing to take on chain stores so tucker laura uh, are we winning that that, that battle I'm going to let Laura speak to the to the business mix and, and the vacancy rates, but I can tell you that, yes, what you've said, David, both Davids, um, everything from the right mix, the right balance, the restaurant scene is very, very important. And I get asked that a lot in terms of the balance of are we having, do we have too many restaurants? But, you know, we always look at this from the standpoint of what complements the businesses. Um, and we are, I think, winning the war. I mean, we're, Laura can tell you, our, we're, the stores are filling up here and we, we do the best we can with what we have in the way of mm -hmm. trying to recruit businesses and, and the right businesses to come in. And we do get a lot of cooperation from the landlords, which is very helpful. But um, we did conduct a market demand study back in 2010. And those items that you listed, David, were things that after doing some uh, stakeholder interviews, you know, we were told we wanted women's shoes, we wanted cheese shops, and we can check all these boxes now. We have, we've managed to get that in, and these are very happy tenants. So uh, waiting for the Apple store. We've talked You're not to them. getting one. Yeah, they, they, they say to us, they leapfrog <laughs> us because they, they don't understand actually, I, I think in some of the maybe I haven't been successful in communicating this well, but 
you know, they see us just as 06840 and they say, well, we've got a store in, in Stanford and we've got, or Norwalk now, and we've got one in Greenwich and, you know, your 06840 people all go there. But I try to say, but we also have Pound Ridge, Vista, South Salem, Weston, Wilton. Those folks would all come to an Apple store um, if it were right here in New Canaan. But I, I've been unsuccessful and that's my dream. So one day I, I'm going to get that done. Careful what you wish for. Yep. You have a big traffic problem too. Yeah, I mean, we've been listening to our commercial brokers and landlords and with the seismic shift in the retail environment, New Canaan knows we're not going to be getting too many more big chain stores. Uh, our demographics are certainly here, but our feet on the street aren't enough. And they, you know, they have all the sophisticated analysis and big data to see that 06840 is shopping in Westport. They're going to the Lululemon there and they're going to the Apple store in Danbury or, or in Stanford. So they know that we're willing to travel. I think what's making us unique, as Tucker said, number one is the restaurants. Uh, we just, I, you know, I know another uh, food store is set to open on Elm Street sometime soon. And I think it's going to do well because each one has something a little bit different. And <clears throat> we have had some great success recently. I keep a very unofficial vacancy rate just based on what I can see and what I hear on first floor retail. And we were up to about eight, little over 8%. And now we're back down to, you know, six, seven. We've been as low as five. And once again, these are very unofficial um, and what I'm seeing thriving are unique stores. We have this gentleman who would come to caffeine and carburetors, and then he'd come to my sidewalk sale. And then he took some space. He sells uh, vintage uh, college memorabilia and he sources it all over the world. David Genovese, don't be calling. He's <laughs> no, very happy. He, he just signed a full-time <laughs> lease and filled a space of a tenant who just doubled her space. She moved somewhere else on Elm Street and doubled her space. So to me, that's a great story in and of itself uh, because the, the right stuff is going to sell. Um, and yes, the, when I've had people in my office, why, you know, why are you having more nail parlors or why another restaurant? And I think it's what you said, if, you know, if, if you're a landlord, um, and everyone makes them out to be this Ebenezer Scrooge crouched over their, um, their ledger. Uh, but in fact, these are people who have mortgages and this is a business for them. <clears throat> and they're going to take, you know, someone that they feel is, is a good, uh, you know, good business person and, and a good credit risk. So we're excited about the future of having more unique stores. We've, you know, it's very experiential as every other community. We've got the stretch labs and the art galleries and, and all that sort of stuff. So we're excited. Uh, we think that there are a lot of brave and bold entrepreneurs and smart entrepreneurs. And I think they're gonna find nice homes in, um, in New Canaan. And our neighboring and, and I would add, you, you can't have enough events. I mean, we knock ourselves out here with events, with special events. You know, we just had a month long program 
um, where we partnered with the Historical Society, the New Canaan Museum and Historical Society. It was called October for Design. And we had 25 people who came out from Palm Springs for the big weekend, the big launch, if you will, um, and stayed in our town all weekend long. Now we're known for our mid-century moderns, but our, our partnership with them, and when I say our, I mean the downtown partnership with that kind of event was that we had a Lego contest where everybody created, uh, children were creating mid-century moderns and they were on display in every window in town. Um, it's something as simple as that to a full-blown gallery stroll, which we we also pulled off. So, and then you have, of course, our, our big events like our holiday strolls and, and sidewalk sales and our Halloween parade back to, you know, sort of people that the, the COVID refugees, uh, the Halloween parade, which has been going on, I think, since the beginning of time here, um, this year was absolutely packed. It, it almost felt like caffeine and carburetors. We, I have never seen more pregnant women in all my life, and they're all living here, and they all came out, and everybody was having a great time, and that was a really, now, obviously, everybody's been locked up for a while, but that was an indicator to me that we have a very bright future, and I, I think we just have to keep doing all of that because people have that fierce local pride, and that, that makes them feel really good about the downtown. If, if I could add on to what uh, Tucker was saying, you know, one, one of the things that towns learned by accident as a result of COVID was the importance of being outside. Right. New Canaan took advantage of this. Westport did it on Church Lane where they closed the entire street. And in the past, you know, you would have been fought on the fact that you're eliminating parking, which means you're making it harder for people to actually, you know, mm -hmm. shop downtown. But what it did was the exact opposite. It created an environment where people wanted to come out and do something. So on Thursdays and Friday nights and Saturday nights on Church Lane, the DMA put much like David did, put on a, a small concerts. And, you know, the street felt like Europe. It was just a completely different environment. Right. And I pray, and Westport seems to be leaning in that direction, and I'm, I'm hoping that other communities do the same. I pray that uh, that they continue to do that and that they continue to allow kind of the inside to spill outside because it was, it was hard to get that approved prior. And, and Westport really had no dining scene because prior to the Spotted Horse being built, which was probably one of our most local successful restaurants, there was a regulation that prohibited a bar from being a thousand feet from another bar. Mm. So there's a perfect example where, where municipalities get in the way of what should happen. So what happened as a result of that is South Norwalk and Fairfield were created and they had a great restaurant scene. And the minute they lifted that, 16 new restaurants moved to downtown Westport. And, and as a result of it, retail began to have a life again. You know, that, that blog you referenced, you know, if you go back in history, because there's been way too many of them, you know, they used to complain that there was tumbleweeds, you know, running down downtown Westport's Main Street, you know, after seven o'clock when all the stores closed. And, and honestly, it was somewhat true. It was just a dark, you know, there was really nothing going on because the only thing you could do was shop. And when shopping closed, what else is there? So having the residents, you know, having condos, Having having uh, offices, having you know all the different things that create you know a, a city in your downtown, give people a sense of pride where they actually want to be there. That's why I got so upset in that blog was you know I'd worked so hard and spent so much money creating what I thought was this beautiful environment, and it just kept gotten you know kept getting criticized, and it was criticized for some reasons rightfully so, and some that were completely out of our control, like the world had changed, and retail as, as a result had changed with it. So right. David Genovese, McCain's got a lot, of, a lot going on. We got the uh, vintage um, college banners. Um, he's got the Lululemon. We've got the movie theater. We got a lot. I mean, how are you going to compete with the fabulousness <laughs> of Westport and the fabulousness <laughs> of New Canaan? I mean, what's left? <laughs> you know, somehow we keep finding cool things. Um, 
I can never really explain or predict it or how it happens or what will happen next. But, you know, we, we signed a lease 24 months ago with an artisanal baker, flour, water, salt, who's just crushing it with the sourdough bread and now donuts and cookies. Um, we found Under, a make a note of that. We need a sourdough bread guy now. Yeah. He's yeah crushing we had bread it. Lines. Crushing we it. had bread lines in Darien during COVID. People would line up around the block for this guy's bread. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. We, you know, we found a crepery from New Haven uh, that will open up in a couple of months in downtown. You know, he has no other stores in the area. Um, you know, we're working with a host of different companies. I can't tell you all my surprises that are to come. Uh, because, you know, David could be taking notes and other uh, competitive landlords, but, um, but no. Both, I mean, both you know, Paul Stones are taking notes. But what we really, what we honestly try to do, we, we really try to respect the lanes that other existing stores are in, even if they're not in our, our, our project or our properties downtown. Um, we also honestly, um, you know, look at what's happening in other towns. Like, I'm not really that excited about renting to, um, you know, restaurants that are in New Canaan and, and Westport and Greenwich. You know, people will call me and say, oh my God, we need a Le Penguin in Darien. I love Le Penguin, but, you know, I'm not so sure that we need, uh, you know, the same restaurants. I think if we can attract a couple of cool restaurants from New York City uh, to come to Darien and anchor our project um, and give people a taste of what they want and love. You know, we brought Shake Shack to Darien. Um, you know, I know that when young families are looking at, you know, housing in Fairfield County and they're considering, you know, Darien versus New Canaan versus Westport, you know, I know that now when they see the Whole Foods Market and they see the Shake Shack and they see some things that are familiar to them from Manhattan, you know, it pushes the scale maybe a little bit in favor of Darien. And to be totally candid with you, you know, while I'm, all, I'm focused upon trying to do the best I can for our particular project, I do try to keep a lens on um, to focusing upon what would be positive for residential property values in the area as well. So, you know, some of the fitness concepts that we're going to bring to the project are New York City and LA based fitness concepts um, that will really get the younger generation kind of psyched. I'm still kind of reeling from the fact that I'm now not, even though I feel like I'm 35, I'm not in the younger generation. I'm definitely considered sort of of middle age, but you know, we try to focus on, you know, what younger people kind of considering moving to Connecticut would like. And I think Roberto touched on it in the beginning. Zoning boards in Fairfield County don't like us to say we're trying to urbanize the suburbs. Um, what, what I would When he I said would, that word, I thought, you can't say urbanize. That's like yeah. a bad word out here. It's a bad we are word. not trying to be it's urbanized. I'm yeah, gonna hear. Roberto's clearly never been to a local zoning commission. I know nothing about zoning in, at, at all, but I personally feel that the success behind all of these downtown projects is creating a family-friendly environment where families can actually live there. If you think about New York, New York coming out of the 90s was, wasn't very safe. Giuliani actually made the city safe and you had television shows like Seinfeld and Friends and all of these single people came here. Those single people then grew up and we're looking for family-sized apartments because they liked the environment, they liked what it was like to live here, but they did not want to leave it. Then, and there was very few family-sized apartments. 
construction then changed and started to develop for that demand. And now you have an overwhelming number of family-sized apartments, which makes this city family-friendly. And that's why people want to stay here. And that's why people love it here. So like, David, for you, I would consider, and I don't, I can't speak for the, the, the stress on the school system, whatever. And I would, you know, the easy thing was to just make a school. How, you know, how do you create a school or get people to create more schools? Because if you have families that are living downtown and being in that environment, it will explode and it will thrive. It'll create a whole different thing. The other thing you should do is get someone to make a, pro, a TV show that depicts that life, literally in Hollywood and like a Seinfeld. And, and that will, it will let you be planting seeds for another, for the next generation to really, it'll be an alternative to the city. Just saying. Uh, listen, I, I, I think you're right, Roberto. Um, I think you should move to Darien to the Corbin district and then run for planning and zoning commission a um, and, uh, and be a part, of, school. be a part of the future. I, I think I think I think both of you have been you know dissing Westport a little. You know we do have a bookstore, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> boutique bookstore. We also have the Westport bookstore, which is run by adults with disabilities. You know one thing we missed is we got rid of all of our movie theaters, which was a horrible mistake. And when New Canaan stepped up and bought your movie theater, because we own property on Elm Street as well, 109 Elm Street, where Hollywood Nails is and Groove. You know, I was concerned that that was going to be a, a big negative. And while it might not have been the most successful venture, having it downtown was such an important part of, of the New Canaan experience. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we have our Whole Foods, we have our Shake Shacks. You know, Westport does benefit from, uh, uh, hold on, I'm on a thing, sorry, Zoom call. Um, Westport benefits from all the things that Derry and, 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 and um, New Canaan benefit from. And I think collectively, we've all benefited from the fact that you know, people realize that they can work from home now. They can, they don't have to worry about the train from Westport taking a, an hour and 15 minutes, which was a big deterrent for a long time because they don't have to go to work on a Monday and a Friday anymore because they can zoom in, they can do it remotely. And that is, I believe, why those 700 families moved to Westport. And it was all families because our Halloween parade, which has been going on since the beginning of time as well, it was it was packed because these people, right. you know, they, they didn't, you know, they all lived in your city and they realized during COVID when you take away all of their amenities and they're stuck in 700 feet with their three kids that they want to kill each other. And because Somebody's you know, dog wants dinner. Yeah, that's my dog right here. By the way, Westport isn't getting dissed. I'm looking at the map. I see Darien, Ukraine and Westport. Who's getting dissed is Norwalk. What's yeah. Norwalk's not getting dissed either. I mean, Norwalk had 2,000 plus apartments built and they're all full. Yeah. And they just okay. built a brand new mall and it's doing okay. That's too. a horrible thing. <laughs> well, actually, I do want to talk about the mall briefly. Is the mall changing David Genovese's thinking or David Waldman or Tucker and Laura? I mean, the fact that we there's a new mall, is it causing us to play defense in any of these towns? It's not a concern for us. We have not found it to be at all of a concern. I mean, we hear people go over from time to time because they're looking for the Nordstrom's or is that there? Neiman's Nord Nordstrom's, yeah. uh, Bloomingdale's, um, but it has not been a concern. There was concern when it was thinking of opening or close to opening, but hasn't been a problem. It's been a concern for Westport. Um, and the bigger concern was you had a company like Brookfield that had a, a bank account that was pretty much endless and mm -hmm. they bought all their tenants. And so it's hard to compete in a marketplace where you know, you're, you're, you're saying, Hey, come to Westport. I'll give you reduced rent. Now it's now $80 a foot. And we'll give you some TI, which is tenant improvement allowance. And Brookfield stepped up and just pretty much built stores for people. And so yeah. they made it impossible for someone to say no. And they're big enough where they have a large enough portfolio where 
you know, they could pretty much dictate that Apple needed to go there or the other tenants that are ultimately in there because if they wanted to be in the other successful malls they own, that's the kind of the leverage they have. Uh, it hurt us, you know, when we were uh, leasing Bedford Square because those tenants that ended up going in the mall, the Sephora's, you know, all, all the nationals that potentially New Canaan isn't looking for, although you do have your smattering of, of nationals there and that potentially David would be looking for, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, get, they were given an option that, that was hard to compete with. I think they've regretted that option. While the mall, I believe, has aspects of it that's doing well, it still has a pretty big vacancy rate. And, you know, if you go there during the week, it's a ghost town. Mm -hmm. And so ideally, you know, it would have been great if it didn't get built. I, I always kid by saying it's going to make a great university one year, but it's going to take some time for that to actually occur. I totally agree with both Tucker and David that, you know, it kept me up at night. Um, we were in our zoning process when the mall was proposed and, you know, it definitely kept me up at night. But, you know, in the end, I don't think that the stores in the mall that we would want in Darien are doing very well. And I actually think that by the time we're ready to, to take them, um, I have a feeling they'll be wanting to get out of the mall and to come downtown because I think the downtown format is, um, is a more successful format for many of the businesses in there that we would want. 100% agree. And, and honestly, COVID made the mall even less attractive because you're inside. And, you know, the benefits we have in New Canaan, Darien and Westport is, you know, we're, we have this environment that incorporates the elements, which, you know, is good and bad, but ultimately it's, it's certainly good in, in a time when you were hesitant to go inside. That's why restaurants spilled outside because in order for them to survive, they had to give people options to actually eat in a manner where they felt safe. A texture. So what's the future? I was nervous about the decline of retail, but you're saying I shouldn't worry about that. The restaurants are having their best year ever now that they've invented outside dining and, and zoning has had a reason to come around and let them do it. Uh, I mean, you know, what have, what have we learned? I've noticed that Arnold Karp, uh, well, both Paul Stones, he just built um, condos. And I, I think you can answer for yourself, but I think that the three bedrooms and the two bedrooms sold out immediately and the one bedrooms a little less successful uh, Roberto. So that should answer um, the kind of people who are wanting to move here and where the demand is coming from. I think the single people might be gravitating to that Norwalk, filling up those Norwalk units you talked about. But um, Paul Stone and Paul Stone can't build enough three bedroom units in New Canaan right now. Yeah. Right? I, I would say ahead, the, future, the future is the, is the past. I mean, I think where we weirdly are headed is where we were, you know, a hundred years ago where, you know, people lived above the shops that they worked in and, um, you know, there were town squares and, you know, there were events in the town and people participated actively in them. Um, and, you know, there was a mix of local and national stores. I wouldn't diss all the national stores either. I mean, the one thing too, I'd say is, you know, you, I think you want to mix. They've got the marketing power um, to, to push um, the message around why you should shop in their stores. They draw people, you know, David's Anthropology or Urban Outfitters, you know, those are stores that draw people to, to downtown Westport that then go and shop in the groove or the um, go eat at Don Memo or, you know, one of the other cool stores, uh, locally owned stores there. Um, you know, the Peloton store, you know, draws a lot of traffic that then 
finds its way to the locally owned deli or Gigi and Joe, which is such a cool addition to downtown Westport, totally locally owned. Um, so I, I think we're weirdly headed back to where we were a long time ago. And, and to Roberto's point, you know, to, to where the city's been for a long time. And, um, you know, being able to walk from the train to your office and grab a great cup of coffee at a boutique coffee shop that makes you feel like you're in Brooklyn or, a, a, you know, croissant from flour, water, salt or uncle's deli for your bacon, egg and cheese, if that's what you, that's what you're into. Um, you know, I think we're just going back to where we were a long time ago and it's a really good thing. I think that, um, you know, I think that all of our towns are, are doing a really good job of enhancing the vibrancy. And I think all of our town leaders have realized that, you know, we are trying to compete for the attention of residential homeowners and right. we've got to make these towns competitive. And, you know, to just say, oh, we don't want this or we don't want that or we're afraid of this or that. It's not that that can't be the right answer. Because yeah, let's not forget, as our commercial base increases, residential taxes decrease. So, you know, in my mind, retail isn't dead. It's just changing like everything does. You know, we as developers do our best to change along with it. You know, I, I can have a shameless plug now. You know, we have these beautiful condos that we're building in downtown Westport, which are family oriented. Although, you know, most likely our, our buyer of, of the Bankside House condos are going to be, you know, empty nesters that are potentially even snowbirds. You know, a lot How much of for a three bedroom? We have a three bedroom. How much are the three bedrooms? Yeah. So our, our, our smallest three bedroom is a 3,300 foot unit that's on the market for 3,150. And our larger or our identically sized three bedroom that sits completely on the water is on the market for four two-ish. So kind of not, not cheap. These were, you know, these are very, not mid-century modern, but they're very modern. Roger Ferris architects designed them. What uh, kind of ceiling height is in, is in those? Just curious. See, look, I knew I had a lot of residential brokers on the phone. Um, we have uh, nine foot clear. We have uh, four walls of, of glass around each unit. So unlike typical condos where you have, you know, a wall of glass like the back wall I'm looking at your place, you know, these were designed with outdoor spaces that, you know, have all individual courtyards. And so there's only 12 residences. There's four penthouses with roof decks. Um, you know, most of them, if not all of them, have water views, underground parking, and they're all walkable to what we think is a really great downtown. Great. That's the secret. The secret is getting a great school downtown and creating family-sized units. Agreed. There it goes. Well, we have we have a we have a couple schools that are in walking distance to downtown. And at one point when right. the, the world wasn't so exciting, I had tried to get our local high school to put together a STEM center, buy a building that was in downtown Westport, and create a STEM center with Bridgewater Associates, which is the largest hedge fund in the world that's headquartered in Westport as well. Oh, yeah and merge those two things together. So students, seniors, whatever grade they thought would work there would be downtown creating, you know, an environment and creating things that might not have occurred otherwise. It unfortunately didn't happen, but I love that idea of, of incorporating, you know, that's why the, the, the remarkable theater groups always tried to build a, a theater downtown because we wanted to be able to give our, our students in Staples an opportunity to display and to show their, their work that they've worked on in school and, and have kind of that interaction between just being in, in a school and being in an, an environment and being in, you know, being part of a community. Go back to Bridgewater. They've got some funds there. They'll help you. <laughs> well, we, we went to Bridgewater and unfortunately at the time it wasn't something that they wanted to do, but you know, you know, these are the kind of ideas that as developers, we throw out there all the time because it's not just about retail. It, it's a lot about the residents, you know, 
it's great that 700 families moved to Westport because Westport was feeling a little tired and Connecticut was feeling a little tired as well. And people, as David said early on, people began to realize when they were stuck at home, just how much we have to offer, just how, you know, how many things are out there that could benefit, you know, every walk of life that comes to Westport. And we, you know, we've been building a lot of affordable housing. New Canaan did it fantastically by building their own. So we weren't taken advantage of by developers using 830G. Um, Westport's kind of got to the point where they hit the moratorium points. So they're less concerned about it. And, you know, they've realized if they don't stay on top of it, they're going to have the same issue again when the, when the grace period kind of runs out. Before we say our goodbyes, I have to ask David Genovese, how much for one of those three bedrooms that you're building over at the Corbin district? Do you have any three um, bedrooms? As much as possible. As much as possible <laughs> Are you getting get Westport point. kind of money? No, I mean, you know, we're not as fancy as David. We're, 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 you know, we should be more expensive because we're closer, closer to New York City, but, um, but we're not on the water. Um, you know, right now we rent two bedroom apartments that are about 1500 feet for $6,000 that aren't downtown and don't have connected parking. They have out, outdoor like garage parking. Um, so I, I don't know, but I, if I, I think the rentals will be a two, two, three bedroom will be in the, you know, six to $8,000 range. And I think that the for sale will be in the one and a half, $1.7 million range, something like that, you know, kind of in line with what Arnold uh, has done with his partners in New Canaan. Um, I, I think that's where we'll end up. But who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll know when we get there, you know? Hey, Hey, David, it's it's Paul Stone number two. But um, it's funny when I say those numbers, John says it's too high. You're never going to get those numbers when he hears that uh, you're getting those numbers in Darien and Westport. That that seems right in the market. <laughs> I know the feeling. Listen, if not for COVID, the Bankside House development, it wouldn't have gotten off the ground because it died. Um, it wasn't until houses began to sell again and people began to come back to, to Westport that you know, there was a market for it. So we pre-sold two of them. And, you know, there's been a lot of activity on the other ones, but we're still a year away from delivering. And, uh, but, you know, ultimately people, people, you know, and, and you all build quality product, people understand quality. And at the end of the day, they'll gravitate to something that's well-designed and well-built and, you know, and, and is in an environment where they can enjoy themselves and not necessarily have to get in a car and go do it. So the concept of living downtown and working downtown and playing downtown you know, it's not a new concept. We're just trying to create an environment where people want to do that. Well, I think yeah, this I has think been, that, uh, you know, one of the things I was at the, um, I was at Brown Harris Stevens office in Darien yesterday, um, having a presentation to their agents. And um, we were talking about kind of the state of the market. I, at the end of the meeting, I asked them what was going on and heard the same kind of moaning about, you know, the lack of inventory. And, you know, it is interesting to David's point, you know, a year, two, two years ago, you know, the, the biggest problem was that there was really, there weren't many bids for any homes in our markets, especially ones that were, you know, away from downtown on larger lots and larger homes. And, you know, it's amazing how quickly the buyer uh, preferences shifted. Um, but I also think that now, you know, and it's the one thing that I had a bit of an epiphany yesterday, candidly. Um, I do think that, you know, once people see there's a great opportunity for the next step. Like, I think there are a lot of people who hesitate to put their house on the market for sale because they're not really sure where they would go and feel excited about it. But when David puts forward a Bankside Commons, when Arnold builds, you know, the view, or we work on the Corbin project, hopefully, I think people could feel pretty excited about these possibilities. And hopefully that will cure 
you know, kind of the malaise that the, the odd malaise here, unexpected malaise we're feeling now, which is just, you know, lots of buyers, but not a lot of inventory. Um, and hopefully that kind of gets the market moving again. That's, that's my, uh, my hope and wish for the, for the next couple of years. This has been a great hour. I've learned a lot. I've learned about uh, vacancy rates going all, ballooning, you know, to 25% coming back down. Uh, and we heard in, in New Canaan, they ballooned up to eight. And now they're back down to five. Um, I hear a great deal of optimism on our ability to keep these vacancy rates down and uh, recruit specialty retailers and a mix of national chains and to coexist with the mall and to coexist with the reopening and the resurgence of New York City. Um, I, I, I sense an optimism. Um, I'm very excited about what you guys are telling me about the future of downtown. It's not going away. Um, how about you, Roberto? You learn anything tonight? I learned so much. It was, I mean, really, I think what everything you guys are doing is really amazing. And I think it's you're planting seeds and it's really, it's, it's going to grow. And it sounds, it sounds beautiful. You do need, need a television show to promote it though. Yeah, David and I are working on that. It's the, the housewives of Darian Greenwich or Darian Westport and McCain now. The house husbands, <laughs> sorry, the house husbands. House husbands. <laughs> now, I, I would say, I would add, I, I, in 20 years I've been out here doing this work. I don't honestly think I've ever been as optimistic as I am today. I would agree. Um, there have been some years where I asked myself, why do I think this will work when everyone around me seems so down on the region and this place that I love? Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it could be that the uh, broken clock is right twice a day, um, yes. or it could be that, you know, the sentiment has really shifted. But I think um, there are, I think there are a lot of well-founded reasons to be optimistic and I'm going to choose to be so. I agree completely. And, and I thank you both, uh, John and Roberto, for, uh, for putting this together. It's been exciting and I uh, hope everyone got something out of it. Thank you all for being here. Thank really. you both. Thank you very and, uh, much. We'll get you back again soon uh, when the Up Corbin to. project is, is uh, done and those condos are selling for $4.1 million in Westport. Very exciting. <laughs> we want to hear how this story ends. Look, Dave's looking for some for materials. Up. Here's the insight. <laughs> I don't have a brochure to hold up, but follow us on Instagram. The Come on, we're, we're always selling it. It's Glenn Glary again, <laughs> Ross all over again. Exactly. <laughs> and hi, Tom. Good to see you. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Hi, guys. Johnny, take care, Sailor.